We know quite well that in Jesus' day and time, tax collectors were despised. But really, probably in any place, in any time, people don't really like tax collectors, do they? I mean, if you, let's say, you know, uh, let's say you come, you pass across a place and there are two people who are drowning, a lawyer and an IRS agent. And let's say that you could only save one of them. Would you get lunch or go to the movies? <laughs> so last Sunday, Jesus told a parable about two people who go to, to pray in the temple, the Pharisee and the tax collector. And in his telling of the parable, he is challenging the, the strong negative judgment that people have about tax collectors in his day. And in today's gospel is his encounter with a real-life tax collector, a chief tax collector, the city of Jericho, whose name is Zacchaeus. And in this encounter, we see the real-life version of the parables of the lost. Do you remember in Luke's Gospel, Jesus tells three stories about lost things, a lost coin, a lost sheep, and a lost son. Well, Jesus' encounter with Zacchaeus is is the actualization of that parable. He explains that his purpose of coming here is a search and rescue mission. He says, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save what was lost. And we can learn so much from this encounter. And I'd like to identify six distinct movements in this encounter. First, Zacchaeus sees Jesus. Second, Jesus sees Zacchaeus. Third, Jesus loves Zacchaeus. Fourth, Zacchaeus receives Jesus with joy. Fifth, Zacchaeus repents. And sixth, Zacchaeus is saved by Jesus. So first, Zacchaeus sees Jesus. Now, Jesus is passing through the town He didn't make Airbnb reservations, and he didn't make dinner reservations. Luke tells us his intent was to pass through, not to stay. And so there's a crowd that just wants to see him as as he's walking through. And we also learned about Zacchaeus that he is short in stature. So if you're short, you've been in a crowd, you know, what do you see? You see the backs of people, And I I feel this way for our little ones who come to church. You know, that sometimes they just see the backs of people's heads. I mean, yes, that's probably why they're bored. So I always tell parents, position yourselves in a way where your little ones can see what's happening. But Zacchaeus decides he really wants to see Jesus more than anyone. So he runs ahead and he climbs the sycamore tree. He's a grown man climbing a tree. He's making a fool of himself, but he doesn't care. He doesn't care what other people think as long as he can see Jesus. And we're not sure what he knew of Jesus at the time. I'm sure he had heard about Jesus, his preaching, his healing, other things. Perhaps even he believed or suspected that Jesus was the Messiah. What about you? Do people see Jesus in you? Can people see Jesus in you? In the way you speak and act, does does it reflect the character of Jesus and the values of the kingdom? Does it intrigue people 
who are searching for more, who are searching for the truth. Now, some people aren't really searching, but many are. And so Jesus says to us, let your light shine so others can see your good deeds, glorify your Father in heaven, really so others can see Jesus' light. So, secondly, Jesus sees Zacchaeus. Now, everyone could see Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus because he's up in the tree. So they could see Zacchaeus, but what did they see? They saw a tax collector, a sinner, an evil person, a collaborator with Romans, someone who took their hard-earned money. What did Jesus see? He says so in the end. This one, too, is a son of Abraham. This is a lost soul in need of salvation. That's what Jesus sees. Sometimes it seems that we only see people's sins, what they've done wrong. Especially if it's something that's hurt us. It's like we can't even see anything else about them. And trust me, there's always more to someone than their sins. And so our Lord challenges us and he helps us to try to see more than just people's sins. Many times the people we're upset with, they too have suffered. Sometimes through their suffering, they have fears and sometimes their bad actions are driven by that. And so we need to see in them a son or daughter of Adam, a soul in need of salvation. Fourthly, Jesus loves Zacchaeus. So how do we know this? Because out of all the people who are there, he identifies the case. He says, come down here. We're having dinner at your house tonight. Now, I don't know what Zacchaeus' wife thought about that because, you know, he's showing up. She didn't have a chance to prepare. But, uh, but Jesus is showing his love because he's going to spend time with Zacchaeus. Remember, he wasn't intending to stay the evening there. But he changes his plans for Zacchaeus. I'm sure Zacchaeus was shocked that he was loved so much. I think Zacchaeus, before this, I think he felt unlovable. I think that's one of the reasons he became a tax collector. Well, if I can't be loved, I can be rich and powerful, so people at least got to pretend to respect me. But Jesus sees Zacchaeus as he is, cares for him for who he is. And we do the same when we show when we spend time with others, even, even to the going out of our way. Then Zacchaeus receives Jesus with joy. Now, this is important because you know what? Jesus loves everybody, but not everybody receives Jesus with joy. This is the response that God wants. God wants our love. Fifthly, Zacchaeus repents. And boy, does he repent. What does he say he's going to do? How is this, he's going to change his life? He's going to give half of his wealth to the poor. If he's robbed, if he's you know, cheated anyone, he says, I'll pay them back fourfold. Zacchaeus turns away from the idol of money, from the spirit of greed, and he embraces the way of the kingdom. We can see in a radical way the grace of God working in his soul. Many people forget this part of the story, but this is important. They remind us how Jesus spent time with sinners, 
But he didn't just spend time with sinners just to hang out with them, just to confirm them in the way they were living, but always also to help them be better. That's what true love does. And then finally Jesus pronounces. He says, salvation has come to this house. So Zacchaeus has been saved. Now, in the Bible, salvation can mean many things. It can mean salvation from some kind of sickness, some kind of danger or oppression. But the broadest and deepest sense is a spiritual sense. That's the foundational salvation for, for the full spectrum salvation that God wants to give us. I've recently uh, got to know a man named uh, Dr. John Sotosante a little bit because we're in this um, group called Legatus. I'm the chaplain, and I've sat next to him for a couple dinners. And, um, and we made a connection because his daughter-in-law was an attorney I worked with when I used to practice law. And he has a very interesting story of his journey with the Lord, and I just want to share with you a small part of it. <clears throat> so 15 years ago, he received a diagnosis that he had a very aggressive form of prostate cancer. And the, the outlook wasn't good. He, he researched it. He's a you know, smart guy. He's a, he's a periodontist, like a world-class periodontist. Um, and this diagnosis uh, caused him to, to become depressed, to become self-pitying, to have these obsessive thoughts about cancer and suffering and death. He tried in his own way to you know, solve the problem. Who's, you know, how can I get the best treatment? And as a last resort, he turned to God. He started to go to daily mass. He ran into an old friend who last time he knew her, she was into new age spirituality, but since then she had become a devout Catholic. And she says to him, you need to go to this Padre Pio devotion at Our Lady of the Rosary in Little Italy. And so he goes to this time of prayer, and there's a particular prayer that really, that really had an impact on him. Is <clears throat> a prayer, he prayed, Dear Lord, forgive me for worrying. I place my trust in you. A couple days after that, he had a, a clear insight. He knew he was supposed to go to Lourdes in France, you know, where that, that, that miracle of the apparition of Our Lady and the water there. So he gets his wife to go in, in two weeks. They're in France, and and it's an amazing, impactful experience in many ways, but he went into the waters to, to be dipped into the waters. And he says, in that moment, he experienced a profound spiritual healing. He felt nothing but calm, peace, and love, and that persisted afterwards, after he returns home. After his diagnosis, he was, he was not able to take care of his patients well, but he gets back in the office and he's a, he's a different man. He is, he's filled with joy, with peace. It's radiating through him. The people in his office notice a difference. One of the ladies who worked in his office, her name is Debbie. And John had known Debbie for 25 years. She had worked in his office for three years. And during that whole time they've known each other, never once did they talk about religion or God or faith or anything. So one morning after he sees a patient, Debbie walks into office, closes the door, and she says to him, she says, whatever you have, John, I want it. How do I get it? She saw Jesus in him. He took her out to lunch. They had a great conversation. He was ready. He explained some things to her, questions she had. She had been raised Lutheran. And I think a year later or so, Easter Vigil, she was received in the Catholic Church and confirmed and received Holy Communion. 
John was her, God, her sponsor, and uh, he says that she's a better Catholic than him. When we have been found by Jesus and saved, he recruits us to be a part of this search and rescue mission. For the Son of Man came to seek and save what was lost.